Hello, Canada, and welcome to another Canadian Common Sense Rant. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony. Hello, Canada. It's Tony here. Today's date is April 3rd, 2020, and I hope you've enjoyed our other rants this week and our other full episode. We will have another full episode coming soon. Um, hope you will enjoy this rant. I know we have had quite a few, but um, these are pretty unprecedented times, so a lot goes on. We could probably even do a full show every day. But we will continue to bring rants to you as we can. Now, I had said before, I don't want to go wall-to-wall -wall Wuhan virus. And I apologize, that will be a lot of what I talk about today. But it is front and center in the news cycle. And that is pretty much all the media wants us to think about. I am going to introduce something else to talk about that nobody is talking about unfortunately or at least not enough people i can't say nobody but it is something lewis and i have have been talking about on the show which is going to rear its ugly head sooner than I, than we all think but anyway back to the wuhan virus which of course is being called covid-19 so as not to offend the chinese because wuhan in china is where the virus originated we've had this discussion before um, as of today, as of this recording beginning, I just checked uh, worldometers.info again. And again, I cannot encourage you enough to follow this site for all the latest information, not only on the Wuhan virus, but also just on information in general. This place is a wealth of knowledge and it, uh, it's very up to date. It's updated daily and sometimes in, even in live time. So anyway... Wuhan virus, coronavirus cases in Canada, currently at 12,375 total cases. Um, what the media does not like to report to you is that 2,186 of those uh, are considered recovered. Uh, sadly, 208 fatalities so far. So we now currently have 9,981 9, current infections in Canada. Of those, 9,861 of those infections are considered to be mild. It's 99%. All right. The other 120, 1% are considered to be serious or critical cases of the virus. So what that means in plain English is that 1% of the, the current cases of Wuhan virus will have patients in a hospital bed. 99% of those cases are people who fall into two categories. Either A, had it but did not even realize they had it because they did not get sick, or B, felt a little off for a couple of days, perhaps had were, were a little sore, a little winded, a little tired, maybe just felt off, maybe took a day or two off, flu-like symptoms, and then bounced back and were back into normal life. No matter which side of that equation they were on, whether they were A or B, they had the virus, got over it, and now actually will have some kind of, of 
some level of immunity built up to the virus. So that's that's your your numbers as of right now, April third, and we're not through this yet by a, a long shot, but. There's a lot of positives here, and the situation is not nearly as dire as the mainstream media would have you believe. Now, here's another number, and that number is 23,000 Canadian Armed Forces soldiers have been mobilized to assist with the, uh, the fight against the Wuhan virus. And at first, it really disturbed me to think that the Armed Forces was getting involved, because I thought, we didn't bring in the army to to stop any blockades that were going on just before this virus hit. We didn't bring in the army to get pipeline workers back to work and get rid of blockades and protesters. But we are going to bring in the army to help transport relief supplies to communities that need them. Now, the first call for this was northern indigenous communities in northern Quebec. And that is where the the first of the troops will be deployed to assist with efforts there to, I'm guessing, get medical supplies, maybe do some triaging, but I'm guessing mostly it'll just be a supply capacity and transport capacity to get the people what they need. And you know what? I'm not opposed to using the, the military for that. They're here to protect us. So fantastic. And these soldiers will be deployed wherever they are needed. At least that is what we are led to believe. So fantastic. Godspeed to you. All right. So we heard a, a speech today from Justin Trudeau. Oh, no, we heard more platitudes from Justin Trudeau. We heard a genuine speech, an honest and frank discussion with Canadians, not some arrogant talking head talking down to Canadians. That was Mr. Trudeau in his, his 11 a.m. address to the nation. What we heard this afternoon was a speech from Ontario Premier Doug Ford. Now, Doug Ford, as I had mentioned yesterday, has begun to take a real leadership role nationally because there's a vacuum left by airhead Trudeau and... Mr. Ford has decided to fill that vacuum. Now, Mr. Ford promised he was going to tell Ontarians exactly how it was. He even said, and this is all not a direct quote, but paraphrased him, is that it's time for you to know what I know. And he even said that in his speech. He said, this is the information that I have access to as a premier, and I want you to know what I know. And Mr. Ford laid it out straight. He laid it out you know, brutally honest, said that the future looks stark. He says by the end of the month, there could be, I believe he said 1,500 people killed from the, by the virus in Ontario. I think that's a worst-case scenario. I honestly don't see the numbers going that high, but he obviously has information that I don't, so why don't I just shut up and report on it? Because this is an opinion show. That's why my opinions are... Anyway, so Mr. Ford says, yep, there, it's, it could be very serious, but he did praise Ontarians for banding together by staying apart, and we've heard that 
so much that it's almost become cliche across the country. But what Mr. Ford did say in his speech, and this is something I want to touch on because, of, again, it's something that we have talked about on this show even in the early days of this pandemic, is the supply chain issues that we're having. And this, unfortunately, hit all of Canada sharply in the face just today, I believe it was announced, or perhaps even yesterday, when uh, U.S. President Donald Trump announced that 3M was going to be making their N95 masks for America, for Americans to stay in the United States and would not be shipping those masks to Canada. And Donald Trump has always been an America first president, and I respect that, actually. I mean, that's what we need here as far as I'm concerned. So how does this tie into supply chain? Well, we had been relying on 3M in South Dakota for our N95 masks or China. We haven't been making them here. So, of course, the question that I've asked for years, literally 20 years, is why aren't we? Why can't we do that in Canada? Oh, because it's, you know, X number of cents per unit cost cheaper to make them in China. And because of that, we've shipped tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of jobs to China. And now we, we rely on China primarily for mostly everything we buy. And suddenly you know what hits the fan now and we need these products now so what's mr trudeau say well we've we've ordered a bunch and we've got we're working with suppliers and we've got such and such on order what did doug ford say i tell you what we're going to do ontario was the manufacturing engine of canada we are going to start making this 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 ppe personal protective equipment in ontario for canada and and Mr. Ford said, and this is almost a direct quote, we are no longer going to rely on, on somebody else to make our things for us. And I'm sure in this case, he was probably just referring to that personal protective equipment, but he's right on the money. We cannot rely on other countries to make goods that we need for us. We need to have a made in Canada solution. And that's something that Lewis and I have talked about several times is we need to to use... Canadian resources in Canada. And that's not just talking about the oil patch or the mining sector. That's talking about Canadian jobs, period. We need to make things in Canada. We need to fix things in Canada. And bravo to Doug Ford for stepping up and actually not just talking about it, but doing something about it. I mean, he, Justin Trudeau, talked about retooling our industry to make these things at home. Doug Ford's actually getting it done. So fantastic, Mr. Ford. Thank you for that. So, now, keep on this on this Wuhan virus. I'm sorry, I will be doing it for a little while yet. Um, I have been accused by many of my friends on the left and even some on the right for not taking the, the pandemic seriously, or at least not seriously enough in their minds. And I accept the criticism. I disagree with the criticism because I am taking the the virus seriously. Um, at first, I don't I don't believe I didn't believe it was as contagious as it is because I compared it to the flu, which still does and still will kill more Canadians this year than the Wuhan virus. But the Wuhan virus is indeed a lot more contagious than the flu virus. So I was wrong on that one. I will take your criticisms. 
However, what Canadians are not taking seriously, and let me let me back up one second. So, a friend of mine had made a suggestion, and if this friend is listening, you know who you are. That rather than try to flatten the curve as what the discussion had been, his suggestion was to do what Israel is doing, what Sweden is doing, what Belarus is doing, and that is essentially accelerate the curve. And what I mean by that, by that I mean don't shut your country down, don't quarantine your population, don't shut down your entire economy and put your whole country into lockdown. Instead, by all means, restrict travel, by all means, protect your citizens, but quarantine or protect as much as you can the most vulnerable citizens in society and let that other 99% of your society keep working, keep the economy moving, make some money, pay some taxes and help pay for the health care to take care of those that are most vulnerable. That's what we do as a society. We don't decide that we all have to be equal, so therefore we will all quarantine and suffer equally. What we really should have done from the start is allowed people to keep working if they were healthy. And we did not go down that road, so we now need to deal with the road that we are on. So that is why at the end of our episodes now I say stay home, stay safe, because that is what we have to do, because we now have to get through this their way. And it's very unfortunate because their way is going to bring about the bankruptcy crisis. And that's where I want to go next. You've heard Lewis and I talk about this and the signs are already there and it's coming. It is right around the corner. And if you don't want it to slap you across the face, like a ton of bricks, you really need to take that seriously because this crisis is actually going to kill more Canadians than the Wuhan virus because this bankruptcy crisis is something we need to take seriously. It is not upon us yet, but you did hear me mention in previous rant that April 1st just went by and there was a lot of Canadians who had already seen their last paycheck. And until EI comes in or some other kind of government relief there's no more money coming in. So a lot of Canadians would already have had to make that decision. Do I pay a mortgage? Do I buy food? And that is not the decision that we should be forced to make because that becomes a very dangerous decision. So this crisis is going to hit very hard because what happens when you have no money and you can't afford to eat or to live that's when times get desperate. And that crisis is really going to hurt Canada. And I really think that even the way that the Canadian government is handling this crisis is wrong. It's wrong just to throw money at the problem. And they've proved that it's wrong to throw money at the problem because they can't even get that right. That's a serious problem with, with this government. And I think it's it's not even just the fact that it's a left-wing government in Ottawa. I think governments in general just absolutely suck at relief for their populations. They really just suck at it. You can't just simply throw some money around and hope that it lands in the right places. And that's what governments tend to do. And, for example, let's talk about this 
this aid package for small business. They're going to subsidize 75% of wages for employers who agree to keep staff on the payroll instead of putting them on EI. Well, that sure sounds like a great idea until you hear them say that money will take at least six weeks to show up to those businesses. Then you have to ask yourself, if you're a small business person or even a larger business for that matter, six weeks means you have to pay all of your monthly payments between now and when that money arrives. Six weeks means you've got possibly three pay periods if you pay your staff bi-weekly. And all that money has to come from somewhere because government money is not on its way. Well, your business has been shut down, so there's no consumer money coming your way. Yet you've still got overhead to take care of and these wages to take care of. So where is that money going to come from? I mean, yeah, sure, businesses will have some reserve funds, some savings, but enough to go through almost two months with absolutely no income coming in? I don't think so. So what happens there? So now you've shut a business down. You've told them you will help them, but not soon enough that it's actually going to be any help. So now not only are Canadians going broke because, well, they already are broke. And we've told you on this show many times, half of Canadians, $200 or less per month away from not being able to pay their bills. Well, guess what? They got no money. So now you've got half of Canadians not able to pay their bills. And because of ineffective government programming and ineffective government policy and, frankly, stupid government decision-making, you are also going to have a bunch of Canadian businesses going broke. So once this whole pandemic is over and once the government allows the economy to open up again and to kickstart, then they'll tell you, great Canadians, go back to work. But where are they going to go when the businesses are shut down? Who's going to provide the jobs to get this economy going again when businesses don't have any money to hire people? But of course, our leadership doesn't think that through because who do you have at the helm in Ottawa? Well, you've got the trust fund baby Mr. Trudeau running the the country and the trust fund baby Mr. Morneau as his finance minister. Neither of these gentlemen have ever even had to worry about a paycheck of their own, let alone having to meet a payroll or even have to budget money for themselves because they were born rich and they have lived rich. And I've said before on previous episodes, I don't even think Mr. Trudeau understands the concept of money. And perhaps Mr. Morneau is the same way because they both just like to throw it around gleefully and not really seem to understand the consequences of the huge deficit spending that they are currently embarking on in this country. To date, $107 billion will be our deficit this year, and... That's just going up and up and up and up. So then I have to ask, as we've asked many times on this show, and as we're going to ask many more times on this show, where is our leadership in Canada? Where is leadership when we need leadership? And you've heard the expression, when the student is ready, the teacher will arrive. Well, in this case, I'll paraphrase that and say, 
when the crisis exists, the leader will arrive. And unfortunately, that is exactly what has had to happen. So where is our leadership? It certainly is not in Ottawa with our federal government. Our leadership is with Doug Ford in Ontario. He has impressed me so much. John Horgan in British Columbia, Premier of British Columbia, has impressed me so much. I still encourage you again, please look up that speech from Mr. Horgan from March 31st. It's a short speech, but you can actually tell that he cares and he's actually talking to the people of British Columbia. Premier Scott Moe in Saskatchewan, certainly not as a, a, a large national profile, but he's is, is in, in, at least in Saskatchewan doing daily press briefings, keeping Saskatchewanians up to date with with the, the the Wuhan virus numbers in Saskatchewan and actions the government is taking. Of course, I haven't heard him make any apologies for the 1.7% pay raise that the MLAs gave themselves, although he has said that, yes, indeed, he will, will be donating that to charity, as many other politicians have said. And who is underwhelming as a provincial leader with, with crisis is Mr. Jason Kenney in Alberta. Now, I can't say he's doing nothing. I just expected that Mr. Kenney would have much more of a profile nationally as far as what he is doing in Alberta. But to be fair to Mr. Kenney, he has an awful lot in his plate. He's got an economy that was already wrecked by a short stint of NDP government in Alberta, and that's a big mess to try to fix up. So I do give him a little bit of a pass. But of course I have to ask, and we already know the answer, but where is Justin Trudeau in all this? I mean, he's tried to sell, to style himself as a wartime prime minister in this war on the coronavirus. And I guess if we want to use a wartime term, he has been AWOL. He is hiding scared in Rideau Cottage right now. And... Do I say hiding? Yes, I say hiding. He's not self-isolating. What he is, is he's being self-important. He is scared of the Wuhan virus. He's afraid that he will get infected. And he believes, he actually believes that he is so important to Canada that he could not possibly be sick because Canada would be devastated if Mr. Trudeau, their great, honorable leader, was to be sick. So now... He is hiding at Rideau Cottage, hiding at home, waiting for the virus to blow over so that he doesn't have to do anything. So he can step out on the front step and give press briefings every day and tell Canadians, because we are coming together, because that is what Canadians do. And then scold Canadians, you have to stay home, go home, stay home, or there will be consequences. And business communities, you had better not take advantage of the government with our generous programming, or there will be serious consequences. Instead of actually doing something, Doug Ford was throwing boxes of masks and personal protective equipment into his pickup and driving them to hospitals in the Toronto area. Do you think Mr. Trudeau even knows how to drive? Well, I'm sure he probably does, but do you think Mr. Trudeau would, well, probably doesn't even have a pickup, but would throw personal protective supplies or any kind of supplies into his personal vehicle and drive them around himself to deliver them anywhere? Of course not, because he can. He would consider something like that to be way too below him. Oh, uh, we need to 
give, to delegate that job to somebody who specializes in, in, in such a thing. And we thank you, truckers, for doing that. Hey, you know what? Yes, thank you, truck drivers, for what you do. Um, it's just about time, and it's sad that it's taken a crisis like this for us as a society to recognize the work that these truck drivers and people who stock shelves in the grocery stores and even the cashiers in the grocery stores do every single day. And Mr. Trudeau will thank you for doing that, but he certainly would not know how it was done. No, instead, what he knows how to do is hide away in Rideau College and let the rest of you little people do all the work. Well, perhaps what the little people need to do now is not only find some way to get back to work, but find politicians that are also willing to get to work.